Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Finger Guns podcast. I'm sorry if you tuned in and you were expecting Ross Keniston's sultry voice. He's not here this week, he's off on Hollybobs and you're stuck with me. I'm Sean, I'll be hosting this week. Uh, and we're also missing Mr. Paul Collette. He is off doing something far more important than podcasts. Uh, send your thoughts and prayers his way, he might need them. Um, what we do have with us is the incomparable Greg Hicks. How are you doing, man? I hope that's a, a good incomparable and not... Yeah, well, I mean, no, you are incomparable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good and bad thing, but yeah. I've been, called, I've been called other words that start with in before, like <laughs> insufferable. Um, also, saying thoughts and prayers to Paul makes it sound like he's... Something really bad's happened. I know, I know. I'm not going to elaborate. Something, something bad has happened. Yeah, um, I don't want to elaborate on it, but, you know, send the thoughts and prayers to Paul. Yes. Uh, so he can pass them on to where I need to be. Yes, let's do that. Um, yeah, I'm good. I've had a weekend off as as standard, really. I don't work a lot of weekends at the moment. So, yeah, not been too bad. Awesome. And we're also joined by the ever-wise Toby. How are you doing, Tobes? Uh, evening. I'm good. Thank you very much. Yeah, excellent. All, all good. All good. Wow. Everyone's good. Yeah, Is that a first? Indeed. <laughs> We're all There's only three of us. <laughs> There's less of a less of a divisive margin. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Right, let's get on with this then. And we're going to start off with what we've been playing. Uh, we're going to be talking about Microsoft's really busy week this week. And we're going to be talking about Metacritic's change to a, a policy later on. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. So, Greg, what have you been playing? I know you've been playing about Ghosts. Of yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to mention that yet. So, um, so we'll, we'll do a bit on Ghosts later. Just tell us what else you've been playing on. I have been playing a bit of Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts, which, in contrast to the the Sniper Ghost Warrior games, have always been like the counterpart to Sniper Elite, um, sort of the modern stylings of that. And they've been a bit shit as of late. But I picked up contracts on the off chance that it might be better. And God, it's amazing. Really good, really good sniping fun. Like third person, uh, no, it's not even. Uh, first person, set in the world of you're like a contract mercenary, spies, all that kind of stuff. But the sniping is really good fun on it. And I don't know if anyone listening follows me on, on Twitter, but I had one of those moments the other day. I had to share it because if anyone's familiar with Hot Shots part two, when he's trying to shoot the guy with the arrows and he keeps ducking and he keeps moving out the way and he ends up firing the chicken at him. I had one of those moments. I was trying to shoot a guy and it kept hitting like the railing just above his head, just below his head, just above his head. And I was like, I haven't had this much frustrating fun in a while in a game. So I'm playing a bit of that. Wait, wait, wait. Did, did, he, did he not notice that no. <laughs> like the railing was going <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. I think his phone's going off. Have you seen, have you seen the... What is this? <laughs> yeah. It'd be like, imagine like it'd be like a targeted, uh, a, a pun intended, like targeted ad. There may be other snipers in your area. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen the clip? I'm pretty sure I shared it. Uh, I haven't, no, sorry. Oh, it's so funny. It's just like, I'm there just, I didn't have a mic on because obviously I wasn't recording myself and I'm just there going, motherfuck. It's just like that bit on um, True Lies when Tom Arnold's chasing the terrorist and he shoots at him and he ducks behind that, that lamppost and it just hits the lamppost and he's like, oh, he's checking himself afterwards. It was like, it's a fucking handrail. And it's just, I'll send the clip later on. It's just too stupid. Um, so yeah, been playing that. It's, it's fun. Um, I've got Made of Skur to review which i can't really talk about other than it's a first person horror game set on skur island i can't say skur properly without putting three r's on it because of my accent um it's based on a popular welsh 
fable that I've never heard of. So it must be good. But I can't say any more until my review comes out on the 28th. And I'm currently in the middle of play- like, literally, I've had paused a game called Ultra Core, which is it's not a retro game. It is actually a game from 1994 that was like 90% complete. And then Psygnosis dropped it. They went, no. It was made by what is now Dice. But um, yeah, Psygnosis were, were worried that it wasn't going to do very well in the, uh, the new advent of 3D games. And yeah, they dropped it. But weirdly enough, like Konami released Symphony of the Night and Suicoden and stuff. And they're like cult classics. And this would have been up there as well, but yeah. So it's basically a Mega Drive game on the PS4 and it, it's compatible with the Vita as well. But um, when I say I'm still playing it, it's got a password system. There's no save states at all. There's no password. Uh, there's, no, there's no like save states or checkpoints or anything. So it's got an actual quote unquote old school level passcode system. And I've kind of skipped past the level code. So I've now got to finish the level I'm on to get a passcode. And it's like 30 odd digits. So I need to take a screenshot of that when I finish the level to pick up where I've left off for my review. So yeah, I've been, I've literally got it paused at the moment and I can't multitask. So I can't play it whilst I'm talking. Do you reckon that was an intentional thing? Or do you reckon that's just like a hangover from the design? I don't know. Because I'm sure they've, because nothing about this game looks like it's been like tarted up. It's not like, it's not like, um, uh, Earthworm Jim or the Turtles in Time like remaster or remake kind of things. It's it's not had any like new Pascal effects or or jazzing up. To it's me, like true to when it came out. Yeah, yeah. To me, it looks like um. Or would des- have come out. Yeah, it's described as a, a Euro style two D shoot. I don't know what Euro style means. I've never heard of that as a as a term, not a genre, but like a term of of games. But um, it looks to me like. Not 2.5D, but Vectorman, and um, to an extent, like Gunstar Heroes. So, how do I explain it? Like, it looks there are some 3D particle effects on there, like there's some spinning coins in it, but the rest of it is all 2D. And it, it was meant to come out on like the 32, no, not 32X, the Mega Drive, the, the Sega CD, and the Amiga. So, if you think of things like, how do I explain how it looks? Like is, is like, this like just the really really good two D art that looks three D? Yes. So like the Bitmap Brothers games, they always yeah, have yeah. and flair to them, and Alex like Vector Man, and there are probably other Mega Drive games that I can't think of. You know that there was if you had to if you had to if you, if you looked at a, you could you could always tell like what was a SNES game and what was a Mega Drive game, for example. Like you could say Streets of Rage is clearly Mega Drive because it's more arcade based, that kind of stuff. You could just tell this was a a product of that time, like. But in a good way. So I'm really enjoying it. But yeah, the, the, the passcode system is a bit like, wow, what a blast of the past. Oh God, I can't do anything. A quick Google <laughs> says that Euro style games, the, re- the reason they call them that is because they're based on very, very tight mechanics. Oh, so okay. sort of like a German well-oiled machine type See, when mechanics. I, when I looked at that, I, I got a thing about board games and I was like, I will come back. Yeah, to that's what I got first. And yeah, I, I haven't better. I, I'm in. I'm in the process of writing a review, so I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll delve into that. But I've, I've never heard that term before. No, me neither. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm literally playing that at the moment. It's paused. I'm looking at it now. It's. It's difficult, but it's. It's a fun kind of like you know. I don't want to keep calling it retro because it's not retro. It is a game from 1994. So well, that would make it retro. You know what I mean? It's not a throwback. It's a. It's actually that game. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I. I do love this like whole kind of wave of 
unfinished, unreleased games coming out these days. Weirdly it's enough, I'd never, I'd never heard of it. Like, I don't, I don't call myself like the the knowledge of sixteen bit games, but I thought I had quite a fair bit of knowledge of it. I never heard it. It was, pre- it was previously called Hardcore, and then they changed it for whatever rights or some clash of something. And uh, yeah, it's not ultra cool. It does have, and Sean, you like this, um, because limited run games are doing, or strictly limited games are doing a physical version of it. And it comes with a soundtrack CD. So a lot of synthwave artists like Scandroid, Mega Drive, the artist, um, Fury Weekend and stuff have contributed tracks for them. Nice. But in the actual game menu, you can, you can choose to play with the original music or that updated, well, it's not an updated like of the, the soundtrack or the, the synthwave like, nice. soundtrack whilst you're playing, which is good. But of course, the average song's about three minutes and the levels are about three times the size of that. So you're like, oh, this is a banger. Oh God, I've had the same song on now for 20 minutes. <laughs> so, have they, uh, have yeah. they, have they edited the songs to, to like, you know, like some, like the old days, they'd have like a loop that went during parts of the level and then it'd change. No, and if you, you just pause, straight if you up pause it, if you pause it, it starts the song again. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> And if if you go into one of the sub boss rooms, it's another song, and then you finish, you you defeat the boss, and then the other song starts again. Oh, okay. and there's some there's some like Alien Three. That's the game it reminds me of. There's some consoles that you can uh you can stand at and use terminals for key cards, and that will start another song. And then when you get off the console, the other song comes back. So you just so, want to stick with the originals music, then, don't you? I think what well, you can't pause and change it mid menu. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in this run, I'm. St- listening to the same Scandroid song over and over again, <laughs> which is, which doesn't make me want to not listen to Scandroid, but not this particular song anymore. Well, I am very much looking forward to your review of said game. It's going to be a good one. I mean, I, it's, I, I can spoil it because it's been out for three weeks and we got a code late, but it's, it's going to get a positive, but it is nails. Hmm. Well, thank you very much. So what? Uh, Toby, what have you been playing this week that isn't Ghost of Shima? <laughs> um, just on the, on the thought of, um, old games like that it makes me hopeful for some of the cancelled games you know over the years maybe one day someone will go oh, we could pick up star wars 1313 again you know no <laughs> one's touching it yeah that's that's disney there's no chance there is there yeah, but one day could be 20 years down the line someone's got someone else has got the rights to you star wars on, you hold on to that optimism too. <laughs> <laughs> just you know i can hope can't i maybe can, um what have i hope. been playing so the messenger which I don't know how much the messenger looks like ultra core, um, but struck me as a sort of similar 2d retro style game, but much more modern made recently, not, not a 1994 game that never came out. Um, but yeah, the, the messenger really, really fun. Um, I know Greg's uh, completed it as well. I know some other people have um, on, on our group have um, finished it and played it. It's really, really fun. Um, really funny script. Just, some of the best dialogue, some of the, they, they just taking the piss out of itself all the time. Um, and you just, it's like a Shinobi game, like one of the old Shinobi games. And you run through the first, first time thinking it's, you know, just a series of levels up until about <laughs> what, five, um, five hours in something like that. And then uh, it suddenly decides that that's not the end. And here's an entirely new set of things to do. And here's all these secrets you've got to find and a hundred different items you've got to find to get through the rest of the game. Sorry, which is, um, to inject the, the the what games, the what games? What did I say? Shinobi. 
Shinobi. <laughs> How he's doing is I've been to Japan card. It's a Shinobi, actually. They're played on the Sega, so it's fine. <laughs> I mean, how, I, do want, I, how do you want me to say it? Uh, you got to put an Amer- you got to do the Akira Americanized vocal chat. You got to call it Shinobi. Shinobi, because it rhymes with Toby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, who am I to give elocution lessons? I'm from the <laughs> Southwest. I don't know which one of those is right anyway. We probably butcher the Japanese uh, oh, names totally. of these things all the time. Um, so I'll go with Shinobi instead, if you like. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was really fun. But the um, second half really needed a guide. Um, I'm not good enough to work out all the secrets on that thing. I was um, quite pleased to know that other people who had gone through it had also used the guide um, because it was just ridiculously hard to find out where everything was. It's not actually, once you get used to it's not actually that hard a game although there are a couple of bosses that are pretty pretty hard but i had to die a couple of hundred times of course across the entirety of the um 10 hours or so it took to finish um but so i've been playing that this week and finished it off on game pass um valhalla um the cyberpunk bartender action i'm still playing a bit of that um so i'm about halfway through um changing lives with uh, with mixing drinks um which i'm still still really enjoying but again it only gets sort of an hour and a bit at a time um, I go through about a day of mixing drinks and then I and then I quit out and play something else because um, I wanted to make it last. It's a bit like a good like a fine wine or or a, or a good scotch or something. I make it last. Um, and I think the third one I've been playing I can't really talk about very much because the first rule of Fight Crab means that I can't talk about Fight Crab. Uh-huh. Sandra embargo. Uh-huh. Okay. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> At least I entertain myself. That's the also, also, Fight Crab just makes it sound like you're dyslexically trying to say Fight Club. Fight Crab. Fight Crab. <laughs> First of all, Fight Crab. First of all, Can't fight talk crab. about Fight Crab. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say what it sounds like, but it does sound quite funny. First of all, <laughs> Fight Crab. Fight Crab, Fight Crab. Uh, yeah, so that's the, um, that's the extent of my playing this week. And obviously, another particular game that we'll talk about in a minute. Okay, then. I... I will go through mine very quickly um, because I can't talk about most of it. Um, Rock of Ages 3, um, which is the threequel to Rock of Ages, which comes out on Tuesday. I can't talk about that because it's embargoed, but you'll be able to read my review earlier this week, probably Tuesday. Uh, I've been playing Destroy All Humans on the PS4, the remastered version. I can't talk about that for another week and a half. Look out for my review on the website. I've been playing a game called uh, Cubicity. Um, which is a little puzzle game coming to the Switch. I can't talk about that until this Friday when you're listening to it, so the, the 25th. Um, look out for the review for that. I've also been playing Milky Way Prince, which is a visual novel game about a person having a relationship with a shooting star, which is symbolism for uh, somebody with personality disorders. I can't talk about that because I'm embargoed until August. Now are the things I can talk about. <laughs> I think you got caught on repeat there, Sean. Yeah, yeah, like the record was skipping. I'm so sorry yeah. about that. Uh, let's talk about something I can talk about. Waifu Uncovered. Oh, boy. Do we have oh to dear. talk about this one? We, yeah. <laughs> is this going to lower our uh, monetization? Like, all, all I'm going to say is, if you, if you want to know about this game, there is a review on the website. It's, it's a lewd game. It's a, it's a shoot-em-up that's a lewd game that, that tries to be funny and doesn't. Um, there are some reviews out there that call it one of the best shooters of the year. You also need to ignore those shooters because those reviews because they don't know what they're talking about. Um, it's 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 bad. It's bad. Um, it's 
basically you shoot, you shoot these aliens and then you collect the stars that fall from the aliens and that knocks the clothes off anime women. And that is the, the about as good as that game description is ever going to get. It's it's just bad. So, you know, if that if that's the game you go for, you know, more powerful to you. But honestly, it's it's not for me. And I don't know why I volunteered for it, but there you go. Um, I've also been playing something called Clash Force, which is like a Mega Man um, kind of homage. It's an homage to the classics from the NES era. It, it's fine. It's short. It's got a very easy platinum. It's from Rathalika Games, and there'll be a review some point. Um, I've not, it's not for review, but I bought it, and you know, there's only one other review on the web on, on the internet, so I thought I'd just do one. And lastly, I've been playing the worst possible game I have played in decades because it is such a massive disappointment. It's called Alpha Invasion. And this is a game where you play as an alien in a first-person facility. You've crashed on Earth, um, and the game looks, from the trailer, to be brilliant. The start cinematic is stunning, like AAA-level stunning. The game starts, and it looks like one of the best-looking games you've ever, you've ever seen. It looks fantastic, like amazing reflections, like brilliantly detailed environments and then you realize the people that make it can't make a fucking game they they just don't know how to make a game they know how to make things look good that you walk around in in 3d but that's about it um it's it's everything falls apart like um these guards um every time you start a level um so the idea of the game is to be in costumes so basically you walk up behind npcs and you take over their body and then use those NPCs to go through doors that you're not other allowed, otherwise allowed to. And it, it's just terrible. Like the guards will see through the costume and they'll come running at you. And instead of shooting you, they'll just glitch out and hug you to death. They just like have their guns around the right waist and just force themselves into you. It's, it's terrible, terrible, terrible game. Alpha Invasion. I'll be reviewing that this week too. And it's, I think it's just a trash. The phrase force themselves into you sounds bad enough. I know, I know. That is I a thought that was my shoe uncovered. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 bad and, and there'll be a review soon. And I've also got Ghost of Tsushima on my PlayStation, but I've not actually been able to start it yet um, because of these review games. So just want to get your thoughts on it. I'm going to start with Greg. So tell me about Ghost of Tsushima. Well, Tsushima is an island. Um, is it? I don't know. I've lost my track already. I think it's an island in Japan. Is it not? <laughs> one of the one of the islands. Yeah. I don't know my history of Japanese culture. <laughs> I just watch anime. Um, I I'm not very far into the game that we haven't seen what we can do in the trailers yet, so I can't really give you much of a story impression. Although I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm not one of those purists that has to play it in Japanese audio with subtitles. I'm playing it in English. And I'm really, I'm really enjoying the writing of, of Jin Sakai, the character, the main character that you play as. I think he's quite witty. For a samurai who are known for being you know, serious and deadpan and you've got to face an enemy when you kill them, that kind of stuff. He just come out with some occasional little like acerbic bangers. I'm like, huh, I like this protagonist. I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really that far in main mission wise. I've only done about two or three of them. But I'm just loving the world. I'm just, I'm loving exploring. And it is a beautiful game. I haven't really learned much in the way of um, techniques or skills yet. I haven't touched, I, I, I know it's not really a spoiler saying this, but obviously you get to play as, a, as, the, as the ghost, which is the, the ninja side of things where you sort of turn your back on samurai code and 
get to jump about rooftops and stuff. I haven't really learned any of that yet, so I'm still just playing the the broken samurai side of it. But oh my god, the combat's amazing! But it's so difficult. And this is this is me. I, this is hubris on my part. I was thinking I would be ready for this, seeing as I've got the Sekiro platinum. I was like, yeah, I know it's kind of like more patient and it's it's if anything, it's more like Dark Souls combat. You've got to wait. You can't really go charging in. But I was like, a lot of it's sword parrying stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be right with this. I've taken on like the hardest bosses in Sekiro. I'll be fine. Keep getting my ass kicked. Really do keep getting my ass kicked. And the damage, it, well, it's, I wouldn't say it's realistic damage like um, Bushido Blade, like where you get cut in the arm and your arm's crippled. But yeah, you, you will take a, a, an absolute spanking if you aren't paying attention. So there's times I've been trying to like take on about three or four Mongols. And yeah, I, I just get my ass kicked. I'm like, right, try this again. You know, stay on the back foot, wait till they come charging and encounter and parry them and stuff like that. So first impressions, I'm really enjoying the the thing I've seen with a lot of reviews, they're going like, oh, it's it's a repetitive, it's it's a great but repetitive open world game. Well, any open world game gets repetitive after a while. It's what you make of it. Like Red Dead, the cinematic masterpiece and blah 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 blah. Like to me, I have no interest in all the hunting and fishing side of it. So I could call that repetitive. And I know people that go and you know, hundred percent all these things. So I think it's a very weird attraction to to say for an open world game that it gets repetitive because of course it does. You know, I've put 200 hours into Witcher 3 and that's repetitive after a while. So yeah, I find that a bit of a weird criticism of it. Yeah, I think that's the criticism that, that most critics lay at the foot of open world games in general though, isn't it? And that's, that's normally because the critic has been given the code a week before release and then they basically have to mainline that game not play anything else and then write a review about it it does get repetitive for them yeah but you could say that it, it seems like such a moot thing to say uh, yeah it's, but like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like saying the street fighter game is great but it's got a lot of punching in it uh, the thing is uh, i agree it, it, it irks me that like you know you look at um uh breath of the wild mm. that which i can't really i can't get into it i'm really struggling with that game that, that, that game is repetitive yeah, it's an open world game. It does get repetitive. Um, where was that criticism? Uh, well, yeah, I think brings some roundabouts on it. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was news over, wasn't it? But I'm, I'm struggling to get into Breath of the Wild. I, I won't go off tangent too much because we're talking about Ghost. But like, I'm struggling without structure in a Zelda game. I'm really not getting it. Like, I don't know if that's like a a preconditioned thing that I expect linear temples because because um, uh, what was the one on what was the one on uh, 3ds? Uh, bollocks! Link between worlds. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't totally structured. You could take on dungeons in any order, but without the structure of Breath of the Wild, I'm like, am I? Can I? Can I go west? Oh, I'm getting my ass kicked. Right? Can I go south? Oh, I'm, I'm getting. What am I doing wrong here? Anyway, so yeah. But to to say, Ghost is a repetitive open world game. Yeah, I suppose if you did mainline, you know, 19 hours of your 24 hour day playing it, then you probably would get a bit bored. But then be lucky you got a promo copy um no i'm i'm only a few hours in uh, i'm really really enjoying it and like i won't i'm sure toby's probably got similar points to me in this but the photo mode is absolutely beautiful and what makes it great i mean like i i'm not artistic enough to really you see some some submissions online and stuff and you think damn that's incredible and i i would love to but i don't have the artistic bent to to frame a picture properly and get some good results. And 
But I, I like messing around with photo modes, and then I take a picture and go, no, nah, that's rubbish. But like Spider-Man's one was really good. But what sets the ghost one apart is just, I've never seen so much attention to a photo mode. Like a lot of, a lot of games have them as a secondary thing now, don't they? Or they're, they're in there now, but they used to be like, oh, we're patching in a photo mode because people want one. This one's incredible. Like you press right on the D-pad at any time and it freezes what you're doing, but not everything is static. So does that make sense? Yes. It means yeah, so, that you can get some movement in your photo. Yeah, but, still but, it's, but it's still things. moving. Yeah, yeah. So like the cat, what you're doing and like I, 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 I shared one earlier on that was like me in a duel and it's the, the, the spray of blood as I'm like arcing the sword around from this, cutting this guy down. But when you go into photo mode, like the wind's still blowing, your cape's still blowing and all that kind of stuff. And you can choose to edit all that, like direction of the winds, how strong it is. You can change the weather. Uh, no, you can't. Well, you can. But you can change the um, time of day as well in a photo mode. So my, this was at night, but I changed it to daytime or like sort of dusk to get a really good sunset backdrop kind of thing or sunrise backdrop kind of thing. And then when I got out of photo mode, I was like, oh, shit, it's night. No, wait, it was night. Ugh. <laughs> so, it really it really threw me, but you can you can put all sorts in there and it's just like yeah it's staggering and here i am talking about a photo mode of a game that would just be a secondary thing but um yeah i can't really comment on the story because i don't want to spoil anything for you sean or anyone else that hasn't played it yet but if you're on the fence about it because it's quote unquote another open world game um don't listen to reviews in that regard just go and play it and it's it's a cinematic you see like sucker punch have done really well on it and it's it's got a really in-depth combat and i can't wait to unlock all the actual ghost stuff because that's that's my jam like the sekiro tenchu stuff i am gonna put more hours into it but like you said obligations wise we've got games to review first i need and i wanted to ask you greg first and then i'll ask toby yeah. the same question before he, he does the rest of his this this kurosawa um mode that they've included mm. Um, I've seen a little bit of chatter on the internet that, it, that the game probably doesn't deserve to carry that name. I was just wondering how you'd... Now, I, I understand that you've, you've just described a photo mode that does that allows you to frame a picture, give it its own uh, like thematic feel, adding movements, change of day, that kind of stuff. How, do you think that this game deserves to have the, the Kurosawa name attached to it? I'm going to say something now, and I know my mate Mark listens to this, and I'm sure when I say this, he's going to throw whatever he's got in his hand, in, and his monocle is going to pop off his face. <laughs> but I've never actually seen a Kurosawa film. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> but, sorry, Mark. I'm going to get a message when this goes out, and he's going to call me a hypocrite or a philistine or something. I know it. Um, but I know enough of the Kurosawa lineage of films and what they do. I think it does. I don't stand what everyone's boggle is it's an extra fun filter that for people that are fans of the genre of film why not like what what could it possibly do to offend people it's a black and white grainy effect and i haven't played it i, I know toby has i'm sure he'll elaborate um when you start the main menu thing it's like choose your options it was like it was english with subtitles japanese with subtitles kurosawa mode and that's as much as i've done i haven't actually like paused the game and gone into it yet I don't understand why it wouldn't deserve it because it's got a perfect framing device. You're a bloody broken samurai. It's, it's the nature of like, it's, 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 it's wearing like Kurosawa or another um, Eastern films. Like it's not even hiding the fact that it's inspired by them. So to pay homage to it, why would that be a bad thing? 
why are we even having this discussion? <laughs> like, why, yeah. why do we, you know, why, who, who, who would honestly have a complaint about that? I, I think, I think all of the, the complaints that I've read about it being attached to Ghost of Tsushima are saying that, yes, the premise is right. The black and white and the grainy image is correct. But the framing and the way that the game is shot is, and I, I know you can't like to say the game is shot, but you know, having a yeah. camera floating behind you is is not at all what Kurosawa was about. Well, probably because uh, he didn't have steady cam back in the day. <laughs> Someone could follow you with I, a third-person camera. Like, I, I get some of that criticism, but then I guess... It's a video game, and it's just adding a fun filter for people that want to pay tribute and set up stylish shots. Why do people have the... I I'm, realise I'm asking why gamers would complain about something. <laughs> Yeah, in the year 2020, the year yeah. of the complaint. Well, we'll get onto the Metacritic thing later on, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't see a boggle with it. Like, I don't, I don't okay. see an issue with it. I think it's quite a fitting thing. In, in, if any game deserved it, like you know, th there's a black and white mode for um, La Noire, and uh, no, yeah. I've never heard anyone complain about that. But why? Oh, because this is a high-profile AAA game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, silly me. Fair enough, Toby. Uh, same question for you. I know you've you've been dabbling in the Kurosawa mode. Mm. How, how, have you, how have you found that mode first? Um, okay, in terms of that particular question, I mean, Kurosawa, I suppose from what I gleaned in film studies and the two, the two that I've watched, um, not to rub anything in there, but yeah, I've watched two. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, that was always fine. <laughs> the, he uses a lot of, you know, a lot of more cinematic shots than, than, you, than you'd find, like you say, in a third person sort of general, the, the general run of the game. Um, but I think where Kurosawa mode shines and where it's used you know, to, to real amazing effect is when you are kind of recreating something in photo mode or when you are doing a duel where lots of different camera angles do happen. So there's a, there's a standoff mode where you can challenge a, a group of Mongols to a standoff or a duel. And you'll get a moment to you know, hold your blade. And, and if you click at the right time, you'll, you'll swipe upwards and take them out in one shot. And that, you know, that lots so and lots good, of the setup. Yes, it is. It's awesome. But what the setup of that is a whole string of shots that are very much like a Kurosawa. There, there's a long shot. There's, there's, you know, having both characters, you know, to the far right and the far extreme left of the screen um, before they get towards each other and, you know, run together. That kind of stuff totally is um, Kurosawa, and I don't see why there's a problem with it whatsoever. Um, I think the main issue probably with people saying that there's shouldn't use the Kurosawa name, if I if I had to pick a reason why it shouldn't, is that I think it suffers a little bit being compared to that. Um, his films are full of intrigue and politics and a number of very, you know, emotionally dramatic things that. Yeah, you know, from a samurai perspective, when they're you know all holding their emotions in at the same time, but it, it's it doesn't quite have all of that gravitas to it. It's still got a great story. Don't get me wrong. I like I'm liking the story, but it's a simple story compared to a Kurosawa. Um, so it might be it might be sort of suffering in that respect. I'm 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 loving it. I'm I'm taking on actually reviewing this for our site. So there'll be a review um, you know following in in a few days time when I feel like I've got said and done enough and said enough that I can actually write it properly. Um, so yes, it is historical. Tsushima is an island, um, a real place. 
they really were Mongols that invaded in the in the thirteenth century. I think oh, it was. I'm glad you told me that because I would have felt really embarrassed. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I just, I just forgot. I didn't know if it was a prefecture or an island. And I was like, um, it's <laughs> it's definitely a small bit of land. Is it now still an island or is it part of a? It's, it's still, an still an island. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Stay> <laughs> no, it's, kids. It's, it's out in the middle of. Um, the strait between Korea and Japan. So it's always the first place that gets invaded. Basically, every, both times the Mongols invaded, anyone else invaded, they always came there first. Um, Does that mean and, houses are really cheap then? Well, maybe these days, who knows? Like Somerset's on the floodplains, but Tsushima's always getting invaded. <laughs> so the storyline as a very basic one without spoiling anything is, yeah, a bunch of Mongols um, attack, 600 odd ships, thousands and thousands of Mongols descend on this place. Um, and kill all the samurai that are able to defend the place. Um, but then, effectively, within an, within 20 minutes or so of that event, you are the last surviving samurai. And it's a, the whole game is basically set up as a your own one-man guerrilla war against the entire Mongol army who are occupying your island. Um, and you're given, yeah, all of your samurai... Uh, traits and, and skills but also the, the traits and skills of ninjas and as you slowly descend into dishonorable sort of realms of for, for a samurai um, even at the beginning parts of the game without spoiling too much you know th there's a bit of a descent into that dishonorable side and it, it's quite well done and like uh, Greg says Jin Sakai is quite well written and he's got a sort of you know a, a good turn to him about how you know he, how he takes on that kind of stuff and the pra the practicalities of yeah if you want to go up against thousands of mongols you might have to drop a few you know honorable fighting tactics um so that part of it i really really like um i think it's probably one of the most beautiful games to have graced the playstation i can only really think of a couple that would even stand up against it um including probably horizon uh, zero dawn um, maybe a couple of others, but there's there's a section not more than a couple of hours in. You'll you'll find the, a golden forest, which is just this forest of yellow trees, and there's a big temple and a big pagoda in there. And it's the wind is rustling through, and the leaves are going everywhere. And and you walk in there with you know your your um your, your trousers and your and your kimono and all sorts of stuff just rustling around and the whole thing just is it just steals you it takes your breath away completely it's an amazingly beautiful looking game and that particular area just was like jaw-dropping um probably the most beautiful looking place i think i've ever visited in a game this whole generation by far um so in that respect it's it's definitely doing the right things it's very very atmospheric with the authentic music um, it's got some incredible lighting and camera work and the wind that there's, there's always this divine wind mechanic in there where you can set your next objective and it'll just sort of blow you along to the next um, place. And you, you never even need to turn it on really. You can see the grass moving and you can see the trails of the wind and the leaves telling you where to go. But I kind of felt like I was, <laughs> of all things, Pocahontas most of the time when this was happening. This was like, follow the wind, Pocahontas. I was like, why is it every single quest is, is like in the direction of the wind? But it's a, it's a really nice little mechanic. I quite like it. Um, and it definitely takes away from, you, you don't need anything like a HUD. There's, no, there's nothing really apart from the moment you take out your sword, you've got a little tiny HUD of your, of your health and that's really it. Um, I have been pretty impressed with the authenticity of it as well with a bit of historical knowledge on, on stuff. And 
I've I've studied Mongols a bit after after Netflix's things. I got really into them. This has so much good stuff about Mongolian culture in it. Every time every time you go to a um, like a like a base that they've set up and, and built, everything in there is like these yurts and these and and um, they've got Mongolian dogs and they've got um, their their steeds are different. They're, they're um, they've got you know proper step ponies and stuff. And it's just it's just wonderful all of it. Um, if I went into combat, so a little bit more combat maybe than Greg's seen so far, but yeah, it's a it's a visceral and difficult combat system, but but it relies completely on you waiting, sizing up your enemy, watching their tells, just like in a Dark Souls sort of a game, and then parrying at the last possible second. If the and the, the lo later you leave it, the better, because you will get you know more of a one shot kill, and there's other little bits you can earn later on to make that chain and do more and more and more of it and it's it's fantastic and then you can add on to that all of the ghost tactics as well so you spend all your time stealthing your way through things and trying to um get through entire bases without getting seen whatsoever um i would maybe say as a slight criticism it's the stealth is a little easy i don't think the ai on stealth is is quite as good as some uh, that we've maybe got used to in the past um but it's it's still a fantastically fun stealth system I, i'm and i'm really really enjoying that um, and maybe just a wrap up point, um, quests. So the, the quests sort of strike me as a slightly different kettle of fish to what we're usually getting in open world games. I know Greg just said about these sort of sixes and sevens it's been getting and saying that it's, you know, repetitive and getting the same old stuff. I don't get that either. I really don't understand that criticism. If it had come out, I think if it had come out before The Last of Us, it might have got better results, but because everyone's just given away their 10 uh, quota for the next few months, they can't give it something high like that. So they're all going, oh, no, no, it, it, it's, it's not got this or that or the other that The Last of Us 2 had. Um, and I, I didn't rate The Last of Us 2 as a 10. I would have given it more like a nine, but and this game you know, I'm thinking is better in some respects, certainly more my kind of thing. Um, and quest-wise, it's interesting because it's got—it's not really got fetch quests. I, I've been going through, and I've not really noticed one that I would actually class as a fetch quest. I—they always go here and kill someone. They're not, but they're not go here and find something and bring it back. And it, that's actually not happened much. Um, so it's a lot of go here, track this person, kill this group, or you know protect these villagers as, uh, from from marauding Mongols, um, and lots and lots of that. Obviously, you're a samurai, you know. There's a lot of killing in it, but actually as fetch quests, I can't think of one yet um, that I found, which I thought was interesting. They're like, they're like little little vignettes um, as, as you're, you know, it's obviously an occupied island, but the, the quests are more like vignettes about people's lives under occupation um, rather than they are, you know, go here, do this, do that, etc. It's um it, It's been sort of more subtly made than that. And I, I quite like the, the slightly more subtle way of putting it together. I think that chimes in with the divine wind that's that's throwing you around and the, the, you know all those sort of subtle mechanics that they've put in to make it quite seamless um so yeah my review will be a few days away but i'm really liking it i think it's a fitting end to the ps4 uh generation and a, a very worthy game to play um will i give it a 10 i'm not sure i'm not sure but even the fact that you just said, "Well, I give it a 10, means you 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 
you value it higher than a lot of people have. So that's interesting. I, I would be, yeah, I think I've started very high, gone right up to 10 and then slightly gone down again over okay. the time I've been playing it so far. So we'll see where I get to. Okay. Um, interestingly, Ross and Paul have said things and thoughts and Ross is, uh, he's, he's only an hour in, but he's, he's very opposite of what you two have just said. Um, so Ross said, I'm only about an hour into Shima, but I can confidently say it's certainly not living up to my expectations. Ooh. I may have been spoiled by The Last of Us Part 2, but I don't find the combat particularly strong just yet. I feel like I'm going through the motions. Again, it's early days and I've still got a lot to learn about the game, but all around first impressions haven't overwhelmed me. That being said, Sucker Punch have created a beautiful world that I enjoy being in, and the photo mode is extraordinary. I'm looking forward to playing more. And Paul, yeah. now I asked him to put a fuck and a cunt in this. Uh, he's just, <laughs> and he's, he's done exactly that. I, I'm not going to try and do it in a cockney accent, but you know. Um, Paul had this to say, I've only had a short time with Shima, and during that time, I've really enjoyed what I've been playing so far. It's a beautiful looking game, no doubts. The combat, which is the game's USP, is okay so far. The stance mechanic is clever with the different combat styles available to you on the fly. The sword slashes were meaty and connect with purpose. However, it can be a bit loose at times and in its desperate need for a lock-on button as the camera can tend to swing wildly about, meaning you lose your focus on the enemy. The stealth sections aren't as good as I hoped they would be. Um, <laughs> the only downside I've come across <laughs> is there is little too... There is a little too much cultish NPC following. Sometimes that grinds the gears, no matter the- There is what? The only downside I've come across is there is a little too much cultish NPC following. Sometimes that grinds my gears, no matter the game. So she cultish NPC following. Oh, I see. When you've got to follow so-and-so during a mission, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I should have worn my glasses. I can't read this to shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't reach them. I've thrown my back out. Um, Tashima to me feels like a Far Cry game. It feels more like a Far Cry game than an Assassin's Creed game, which is no bad thing. Um, so yeah, that's that's their thoughts on that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's been divisive, I think, and mm. that's certainly the case. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested in your review, and uh, thanks very much for sharing your thoughts, Greg. Should right. we do? Should we do a quiz? Do you, do you want to yeah. do a quiz? Okay, let's do a quiz. Pretend that I could be asked to cut in the music here. Um, Welcome to the quiz. Ooh, um, quiz. It's a music quiz this week. Yay! Uh -oh. um, so yeah, I'm going to play 10 clips. I want to know what game or series they're from. I'll tell you if it's game or free series before each question. And towards the end of the podcast, we'll go through the answers and we'll find out how you did. Right, are you guys ready? You got pen and papers ready? You got your fastest fingers ready? You don't need your fastest fingers at all. Are you ready? Google. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fastest typing fingers. Right. Okay. Question one. I don't one. know how you're going to Google a music quiz anyway. Exactly. This should have been one. This should have been one for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be one for everyone. <laughs> and then everyone just disappeared. It would have been the proof, wouldn't it? Finally, the, <laughs> the, the, the proof we needed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three musketeers. Ready? The, the two people that always get accused of cheating and or. Uh... I'm going I'm to get my customary two or three out of ten. No, you're going to do better than that, I promise. <laughs> okay, right. Question one. What series is...
Okay. It's rocking, whatever it is. God, I should know that. Otherwise, I'm going to be very, very... very... <laughs> so that was question it's, one? It's going on my playlist afterwards, but it's great. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll send you the MP3, it's great. I love it. Um, okay, <laughs> question two is this. Well, that was question two. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I got that one. I didn't get number one. Okay, uh, question three. What game is this? One more. Okay. I'm good. loving this quiz so far. Yeah, Excellent. Might okay. take this one from me. <laughs> Question four. I should know this. <sighs> yeah, that's really familiar, but I'm not quite sure which game. I think really, it's, really. I don't familiar. know if it's one that we've already spoken about, and if it is, I should be. It's not, yeah. it's, not, it's not the messenger. Oh, I feel like it. <laughs> it's not. I, it can't be because I think it um, might be something inspired by. Yeah, I, I think know. it's an older one. Personal. Wow. Um, I can confirm it's not the messenger. All right, cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. Question five. Question six. I can tell you what level that is, I think. Okay. Okay, that was question six. This is question seven. Okay, that was question seven. <laughs> question eight. Question nine. And finally, question 10. Well, 
I am not confident of a lot of these answers. <laughs> well, we shall see. Okay, shall we move on to some news? Let's start. Sounds good. Let's start this week with the very peculiar week that Microsoft have just had. Uh, so Phil Spencer has been in the news pretty much everywhere, talking to every interviewer that will speak to him. Um, and they've also announced quite a lot of news. So let's start with the biggest news. Um, that the Xbox um, One X and the Xbox One S all digital edition are being discontinued. Uh, so this is uh, from The Verge. Um, this is a Microsoft spokesperson. They said, as we ramp into the future with Xbox Series X, we're taking the natural step of stopping production of Xbox One X and Xbox One S all digital edition. Xbox One S will continue to be manufactured and sold globally. So... Interesting turn of events. Let's start with Toby. What's your thoughts on this? Is this too early for Microsoft to be jacking in this current generation? Um, I don't know if it is too early. I mean, it depends how many they've got sitting in the in the factory. Um, you know, it's it's the natural course of events when you've got a new console generation starting that you'd discontinue the old one. So I don't think much of it in that respect. But I mean, is it too early? Depend, it, that depends really on how many they've got stocked up, whether they think there's enough to keep them going, you know, till the Series X actually comes out. Um, so to, to answer that question, um, during pandemic times, the the Xbox One S or digital edition and the Xbox One S have been uh, quite difficult to find because everyone wanted something to play games on. Mm. Um there, there is apparently quite a lot of stock of Xbox One X is knocking around and probably will take them through to the end of the year, if not longer. So, as I say, in that respect, I, I mean, it makes some sense. I, I mean, wouldn't Sony be doing something similar in a few months' time? But, I mean, they, they've said they want to support the PS4 for a little bit longer. So I don't know if they'll do it quite as quickly as Microsoft, but... Microsoft are going, you know, they're going full on streaming and all sorts with the next thing we're talking about. It, it would make some sense to just move on, start the next generation as quick as possible. I, I don't see it as a problem, personally. I, th I think the, the reason why I found this this news particularly weird was because um, Phil Spencer, for, for a long time, has been talking about how he doesn't believe in forcing people into the next generation. And in this instance, stopping the hypocrisy the then. <laughs> well, well, it's 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 not so, like obviously the, the Xbox One S is still is still going to be sold, but it's it's not it's not the good version of the console that they're currently selling. So it 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 feels like a very odd time to be stopping a console manufacturer manufacturing. Manufacturing. There you go. Um, but yeah, I take your point. They they can't support it forever, I guess. Greg, what what do you, what do you think? Well, I was going to make some sort of anecdotal remark about them all being in a warehouse anyway, but Toby kind of beat me to it. I think, from a business point of view, it seems it seems very dramatic that, that we're all going like, oh no, they're going to cancel cancel the One X, but then they're not really out of stock at them at the moment, are they? It's not like there's a great big supply run. Do you say it was the digital that was sought after? Uh, the X S one S one S digital and the one S were yeah highly sought after. One X's aren't exactly flying off the shelves, are they? Because of their very high price point. Yeah, I you, kind of do want a one X, but I don't need one. Like I've got a one, and that was 
I mean, that's got one, that's a one terabyte. So I don't need it for storage. Um, so if I did get a one X, it would be as, as an improvement, but it's not a 300 quid improvement that I need right now. Cause I barely play the Xbox, you know, there's so many exclusives and stuff on PlayStation that that's got my, my garnered attention. Um, so yeah, I think the knee jerk reaction is to go, Oh God, they're canceling it. What are we going to do? But then if you look at things, do you step back and look at it a bit more sort of open-minded? Do you think, well, it's probably from a supply and demand issue because there's neither. So it's That's true. not, it's not, <laughs> that wasn't me trying to be funny. There really is no demand for an Xbox One X. It's not from anyone that I know. Yeah. Or is there a supply issue? At no point I've ever seen a store go, yeah, sorry, we're out of One X's. Like, oh no. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's, it's as bad as the initial knee-jerk reaction is. And I suppose from a financial point of view, there's no point in them making something that isn't selling. You know, like when, when to use, to use an old thing, like when Furbies came out, you know, they, they sold out of them and they were hard to come by. But when, when people got bored of Furbies, at no point did they go, oh, we've got a massive stockpile of them and a discontinued, discontinuing of them didn't really freak people out because everyone went, well, yeah, because Furbies are annoying. So <laughs> this is a similar kind of thing. Like, I don't think anyone's upset. I think it's, it's a very weird reaction. It's an, it's an initial reaction. When you hear discontinued of a gaming console, you think, oh God, no, what's going on? But like, like Toby said, we're also bracing for a new generation. So to them, it seems a bit pointless making more of a console that isn't selling in, in the wake or in, in light of a console that's coming out that isn't going to sell very well either. So <laughs> sorry, I've, I've lost all faith in Xbox as a brand. <laughs> like I, I don't, I mean, like we're, we're going to talk about it in a minute and obviously Ross Champions like xCloud and that's not a bad idea, but that, that to me is peripheral gaming, but Xbox have really lost their way. Like I was, I've, I've been Sony for ages and I went Xbox and I racked up like so many hours on 360 and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I just went back to PS4 and like I said to me, the Xbox is a, is a secondary console now. I, I don't think, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose from a business point of view, yeah, they're just going, oh, we'll stop them now. But by by the way they've announced it in in light of a new console coming out everyone's everyone's done that, that initial thing of oh god no and it's like hang on no when you think about it yeah that just makes sense you know uh, part of me thinks that they've they specifically picked the xbox one x to discontinue to push everyone to go to new well not just that be, be, but because of the naming convention like <laughs> yeah. the xbox series x or the xbox one x you know, Granny buying the game, the game, games console for Jimmy. Little oh, Jimmy. She's going to get it wrong, isn't she? Which one do you want? I want the Xbox One Series X plus two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I want Granny's the one that's get it optimized wrong. for Xbox I've got, Series X. I've got <laughs> Nintendo. Um, yeah, I suppose from a naming point of view. But then uh, we've said it before. We've taken the piss out of it. Like Paul wrote an article about it, didn't he? About like the naming convention of consoles. And it's yeah. dumb. At least with the... <laughs> At least with the PlayStation, you know what you're getting. Oh, I'm getting the next incremental version of it. Therefore, better. I mean, that is obviously debatable. Some people prefer the PS3 over the 4, and some people are PS1 purists. But you know what I mean? To, to an outside consumer, you're going, ah, 5 is better than 4. I love that. It's like, oh, I'm getting the Xbox One Series X. Why haven't you already got one? No, I've got an Xbox One X. Wait, is that the disc-based version? No, that's the... Uh, yeah, so I suppose, <laughs> I suppose for their itinerary's sake, it's a case of like, oh, hang on. 
But then they shot themselves in both feet with that, and exactly. up, to the, up to the knees by having a stupid bloody naming convention. Why, why did why did they make this rod for their own back? It just oh. doesn't make any sense. Uh, oh, it's just it's it's dumb. It could well but, be a naming thing, like you say, like you say, Sean. Because yeah, I think I think that's that's it, probably it makes more... it less confusing if you've got one at least is going out of stores. Basically. Could you imagine though? Could you imagine like? There's a warehouse of Xbox One X's, and there's an X. There's a warehouse. Oh, I'm confused. My I'm tongue tying myself with these names. There's a warehouse of Xbox One X's, and there's a warehouse of Xbox One Series X's, the new ones. Could you imagine being a burglar and stealing the wrong one? Like going to that warehouse and going, <laughs> "Oh, we've just got the we've just got the One X. Yes, no, not the the Series X, the One X. Oh." You know, all right, all right, I can imagine a lot of very, very I mean, disappointed the... children when they get their uh, Xbox One X, One X for Christmas that they've already yeah. got. <laughs> but then, to be fair, most burglars aren't exactly going to be up in the uh, on the reading stakes, are they? So you know, but um, it's just yeah. I mean, I don't think it's as big a scandal as it is as the news broke. But then Microsoft, as you say, really are not doing themselves any favors. Like. I think it's a cutting their losses kind of move. It's not a power move to go, yeah, this will make everyone want to buy a, a Series X. I'm confused now. Yeah, Series X. It's just a, oh, fuck it. Let's just cut our losses and roll with the next console that isn't going to sell. Yeah. They have not performed this generation. It just feels really weird for somebody to say, we've discontinued this console before the next one's arrived. I, yeah. I cannot remember a single time. Well, the, how long was the PS2 happened. being manufactured for? Oh they, my God, years. Weren't they, weren't they still making a FIFA game for the PS2? Or did they, did they <laughs> yeah. release a FIFA game in like 2014 or something? Yeah. They'll still, be making, but, they'll, yeah. they'll still be making Just Dance games for the Wii well, before Ultra, the Xbox One games stop oh, being made. Ultracore is available on the Vita as well. Yeah, so man, There's still support it, for it. And it, it, it obviously life. fits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, the only the only thing that Xbox have got going for them at the moment is Game Pass, which, which is a shame because that's like you could have introduced that I bet at the turn of the console and that would have shifted more units. That that neatly leads us on to the second part of this news. Well done for that. Segue, I did, I did a rough segue. Yeah, you, you, amazing. Um, so this week, um, two days ago, in fact, Microsoft announced that they are adding a new perk to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, the subscription that bundles Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Live Pass for console and PC all together. Uh, starting in September, Project xCloud, the, the cloud-based gaming service, uh, will be added to the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate price of $14.99 per month for the same price. The price isn't going up, and you get to play the games on Xbox Game Pass on xCloud. So, casually... Microsoft announced the Netflix of gaming. A lot of people are going to say this is going to be the savior of, of gaming moving forward uh, and that it is going to be a massive move. So let's go to Greg this time, first time around. Um, Greg, uh, xCloud and Xbox Games Pass Ultimate thoughts. Yes, they exist. Very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Toby, <I'm... laughs> yeah, I'll take that one. I've obviously got, I've obviously got somewhere to be, and I'm like <laughs> gaming. Um, no, I mean, like I know I've said before, I'm 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 not anti-mobile gaming, but to me, it's always been a bit of a secondary faff kind of thing. But then I I kind of changed my tune when I won't bore everyone my work life, but I was taking my when we were doing night shifts during this lockdown chisels. Uh, I had my laptop. Um, for, for downtime and 
I it suddenly dawned on me. I was like, oh, hang on, I've got Game Pass Ultimate, and I could probably run some games on there. And I, I could, my laptop's not a gaming laptop, so I managed to run the two D ones, like the Messenger, which was the first time I finished it through. So Yay. yeah, that has its perks. Yeah, um, which I'm now playing through on the Xbox, and it's a different set of achievements, so I can double up. Woo! Um, so yeah, like I'm not against it, and like there's part of me that thinks I'm, I'm sort of dropping the cynicism and. I'm thinking if I can get xCloud running on my phone at no extra cost and I take my um, Xbox controller into work and I just sit on my lunch, um, I'm back to normal hours now, but like, yeah, providing the, the, the trust Wi-Fi is up to it, yeah, there's no harm in boshing out, you know, half an hour of something on my lunch just with an Xbox pad on my phone, no cables, no faffing rounds. So yeah, it's not a bad concept and that, that it's no extra cost as well is pretty good. Obviously, yeah, it's it's Wi-Fi dependent, but considering it's no extra fee to to give it a go, then why not? Like Roscoe's playing it, and he he's had good results so far. He said it's dependent on where he's been. Sometimes, like he was saying, his internet at home was a bit patchy, but when he's been down in Salton, um, it's been all right. So yeah, for no extra cost, like if if you were paying a separate subscription fee, you'd be pissed off if it was rubbish. But considering it's that games library you're already paying for at no additional fee or um, risen fee, then yeah, it's not a bad concept. It's not going to make me change my mind completely on mobile gaming and stuff like that. But it's not technically mobile gaming, is it? It's miniaturized on the move console gaming. So it's not a bad thing. No. Uh, obviously, xCloud will eventually come to consoles and PC and probably smart TVs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you think you might see yourself using xCloud and Games Pass on like your PC or, or even on your consoles? Like if they put it on Switch, do you think you'd use it? Um, well, that's a that's a interesting question. Um, I don't know because I know I've said but I've, we've taken the piss out of me before, but I, I'm a I'm a sort of physical purist, and I feel like it would be a bit of a betrayal to have an Xbox sat in my room and then I'm playing xCloud on my light switch in front of me switch light i've got, got still get a fucking light switch my switch light um so my method would be like well no it's i can just play the console there and it's a dedicated gaming console and i'm not so much dependent on the power of my internet because i have this game on my console but it's almost i don't know why i said that really emphatically then like i'm raising a point but um it's not, not it's not a bad idea like if i'm sat downstairs for example and i just go or I'm sat in another room and I go, oh, I feel like firing up the messenger because it's easy to easy to run because it's a small uh, data capacity game. So it's not a bad idea, but it's it wouldn't be for me like, no, if I've got the console here, then no, I'm just going to play the console. But okay. if I'm somewhere else, then it's the same with like the Vita when you could, you could remote play. But obviously yeah. it's going to be, it's obviously different from that, but it's the same sort of concept, isn't it? You can run your library wherever you are kind of thing. So it's not, something i'm against but in the wake of everything i'm still going to hold out on the actual console that i've got so that's not to be contrary to what you're saying but it's not something i've given a lot of thought to fair enough toby what are your thoughts on i like the... i like that i like that toby just unmuted himself like he thought i was finished then you know i'm i'm a really bad asthmatic and i was just getting my breath back i just saw the screen i just saw the screen toby unmuted himself to I'm be like ah, that was my turn <laughs> <laughs> right so anyway um no carry on. 
You'll, you'll um, go. I'm passing I, the mantle on now. <laughs> I think the um, the the gaming no the the naming rather convention um, has the, the the virus of naming conventions has actually hit this as well. So um, Xbox what Gold Ultimate Game Pass X Cloud now right? That's what I need. That's what I'm paying for. Four yeah. different things all at once. They just need to stop with this stupid naming shit right now because that that's impossible to work out which one I have, let alone what's included and what's not, then I've got to work out which bloody console I've got or which one I shouldn't get. It's, um, that's, that's starting to just be ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, you get them all in one subscription. Fine, I'm going to forget which one's which very quickly. I've got Game Pass. I'm pretty sure it comes with Ultimate and Gold, and now it will come with xCloud. So, <sighs> hopefully, it's all, in one, it's all in one thing that I've got now. So, um, I like Game Pass. I think um, streaming will probably only make it better. Um, I do wonder sort of what Microsoft's business model, you know, and, and aim for this is. Um, you know, do they become a streaming service? Are they already shooting themselves in the foot with the next console generation by making themselves a streaming service that you can use anywhere else and you don't even need the bloody console? Um, so that part of it's strange. But at the same time, you know, we've seen even in the most recent months over the course of lockdown and things, Stadia, for example, becoming, you know, a, a, an actual force, an actual thing to, to for people to, you know, to go out and actually use. It's working. If they can get xCloud to work in the same way, then, you know, I, I can't see... Um, any real issue with it it makes sense to do um i wonder if in the future sony might think of doing something similar but it, it strikes me as the kind of thing you do when you're sort of playing catch up a little bit so they you know they, they're doing all these different things because they're sort of struggling to carve out that niche this particular generation and so they're they're readying themselves for the next one with you know being the Netflix of of gaming. That that's that's a great thing to attempt to attempt to be. I think streaming is the future of these things. Um, but I agree with Greg at the same time. I don't think I'll ever, or at least I don't want to give up on my physical console that I know is capable of running them all at the at the absolute nth degree of graphical perfection, etc., without lag, without, you know, internet issues and connectivity issues and all these different things that you're, you're potentially going to get with streaming. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting sort of potential future for them. Um, I, I, I just wonder if it's just, you know, yet again, a, a stepping stone on the, on the sort of future course that we're taking towards getting rid of physical releases, getting rid of things being that sort of physical thing and you just having a number of screens and a number of you know you don't even need all the different consoles to play like, like you just said play it on your switch play it on your playstation be a real rebel play it on your playstation play it x cloud that's just horrendous but you know it, it could happen um and the only other last thought i was thinking is um though you might not like greg said might not want to play it on your pc when you've got the tv and the console right there and I, I do get that but in my house you know it, it's who gets the tv so you're if you're able to use your xbox that's sitting underneath the tv but you're not using the tv because you're putting it through your to your pc or you know that kind of thing then that, that might well be a, a good thing i would probably use that straight away because then i can use the, the the pc screen i know you could you can hook it up now you can hook up a monitor um, but it's just a bit more of a faff. Whereas if it's streaming, then, you know, that's an easy thing to do actually at home. Um, I don't think I'll use it on a mobile. 
because A, it's tiny, B, it'll conk out your battery very quickly and your data and all these different things. Um, and I'd need to get a, whatever wire I'd need for my um, uh, controller to fit to my, um, mo to my mobile. Now that'd be and Bluetooth. I'd, it'll be Bluetooth, but I haven't got a Bluetooth controller at the moment, as far as I'm aware. PS4 controllers are Bluetooth. And you can use that. Actually, my Xbox One must be. Yeah, my Xbox One must be. But um, so yeah, maybe that'll work on Bluetooth then. But Sorry, still, it's a bit of a bit of a faff either way, though. I think. It it, it um, can be a bit of a faff, yeah. I, I've, and that's, I've and that's me. And, 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 no, I, I, sorry, I, I didn't know if you'd finished or not. I was just going to. I finished. I thought I'd just announced that I was finished, like because oh, Greg sorry. didn't announce that he was finished. You see. Thank you. What the, do you think, Sean? The, the <laughs> thing, just, to, just to quickly interject with the um, the controller thing. There's nothing more annoying. I know my, my brother was living here. Like pairing when you, you, he's used his like controller on mine as player two, and then I'll be sat in my room and he'll go to turn his PlayStation on, and I'll be watching something on the Xbox. And I hear boop, and then it like the PlayStation Four turning on overrides my TV. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm there going, Brad, <laughs> I'm already got, having that with Steam. Using my yeah, Xbox exactly. controller for Steam to the Xbox. I yeah, I, re, I did that. Re-Bluetooth it every single time. I had that when I was using my Xbox pad on my laptop at work, and I'd come home, and I'd, yeah. I'd have to basically repair it, or like take the battery pack out, turn it on with a USB lead, and then do the repairing thing. So yeah, imagine trying to do that with a phone. It would right. be a faff. Imagine this for a second, right? We have, we have five kids in my house. We have eight PS4 controllers. Oof. We have two PS4s. Because every time you say, every time you say, I've got five kids, I just can't think it like Total Recall. <laughs> I got five kids to feed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is me. You know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so so imagine for a second that one of the kids is upstairs playing Minecraft. Yeah, and they they the, the controller runs out, and they just can't be asked to go and plug it in. So they come and get one from downstairs. They take the cable out. They walk in front of the PS4 upstairs and press the PS4 button. Without plugging the cable in. Exactly. <laughs> every time. Every time. Right? You raising your fist. Right. Honestly, at least three times a day. Yeah. <laughs> somebody in the house has to shout, press circle. <laughs> Just like turn the Those meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> Stay up, make controllers. Um, Get out of my damn controller, boy. <laughs> swear to, honestly, most of my controllers are dead all the time because they, they just come and get a new one. And then, anyway. Um, right, xCloud, listening to what Phil, sorry, Phil Spencer has said in the, in the media this week, all of this is like a really noble goal. Um, he, he said to one interviewer that he wanted Xbox, xCloud and Xbox Games Pass Ultimate to be like the, the Spotify of gaming where if you make a playlist on one system, you can log in on another system and have it there all ready to go. And he wants all of that to be the same. And he says that a lot of console gaming and gaming in general is not that way at all. Like if you if you play a game on your PS4, you can't then carry the progress on on the Xbox One. And he's right. It is it is really backward um, in, in the way that that is. Um, I just don't see cloud gaming as the way to fix that. I say this because I've tried cloud gaming enough. I've, I've played Stadia, and if anyone else was using the internet in my house, um, the game ran like shit. Um, I've tried PS Now so many times. I've had that many free trials. I've, I've paid for months where big games have come out that I haven't played. And the lag is too much. 
and it doesn't matter where I take any of my devices in Stoke to try and play them. They're always too laggy for me to bother with them. It's not the experience that I'm used to having with the games. So, and, and the games I like to play are normally ones that, you know, that half a second of delay of, of input is, is the, 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 the difference between success and fail. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be jumping on cloud gaming until that is fixed. The, xCloud did not feel as good as Stadia did for me in my house. Stadia is the best cloud gaming like service that I've tried so far. And if, if xCloud can become that good, then, you know, maybe. But until, until it's the case, it's not there for me. And it doesn't matter what they put on this Xbox Game Pass. Um, if I have an Xbox One, I can use these games. They're not going to be making exclusives for Xbox Series X for years. This This is just another thing that um, I, I don't really want to have to pay for, but you know, it's, it feels too good to not buy it. And I, I'm getting a bit fed up of these too, too good to not buy it and then not use it because I can't remember the last, last time I played a game past game. So I know a lot of people do play a lot of game past games, but for me, uh, just, you know, I look through the list and I'm, I'm, I download 10 of them and I never play them. So anyway, Let's go on to some other things that Phil Spencer has said this week. I want to read some of these quotes out because for me, this week has been a really conflicted week for Xbox. It sounds like, you know, you, you've, you've discontinued two consoles of the current generation. You've announced a streaming service, which will be coming to a subscription service at no extra cost. These are like, like one sounds really negative, one sounds really positive. But it's, it's a thing that I've always been a big defender of Phil Spencer. I think he's talked a lot of really good stuff in the past. This week was the straw that broke the camel's back because he said things like this. So he was talking to Gene Park of the Washington Post and he was talking about the console wars. So he said, we should focus on this industry that we'd love and see it continue to grow and we should protect it from the issues that it does have, said Spencer, adding that recent com uh, conversations around accessibility, inclusive inclusivity and addressing toxic, harmful communities have highlighted what truly undermines the industry. He continues to say, if we're going to spend energy, let's go spend it on those things, not my piece of plastic is better than your piece of plastic. I don't think it's a productive conversation. Now, while I'm reading this, I got a notification from Xbox Wire. And Xbox Wire published a reason why this piece of plastic is better than the other piece of plastic. So it just felt like a completely tonally deaf conversation to be having when the other part of the company is publishing a piece that says um, powered by direct x12 ultimate and with support from hardware accelerated direct x ray tracing a first for consoles and with statements like your games will look and play best on xbox series x all games will look and play best on xbox series s x whether they came from our 15 Xbox game studios like Halo Infinite or from our world-class publisher and developer partners. Uh, how, how can he, in one hand, be saying we shouldn't be talking about this while the company's doing something else? It's, uh, it's, I know we're not a political podcast, but it's almost like the Trump administration of consoles, isn't it? <laughs> we, we never said that, but ours is amazing, but we haven't said that. It's like, um, it's like Aaron Greenberg's tweet you know, after the PlayStation thing. But you can yeah. also play this and that's on the most powerful console. Uh, no, I'm all right, mate. I'm pretty sold on a PS5. Thank you. Ah, uh, yeah, but you can play the, the, the also. Don't forget, it's like you are sniping. You're literally sniping people for content. Like, yeah, 
it's, we it's, really, really want crossplay, but the best crossplay is on our system. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? <laughs> it's, crossplay it's, is a thing where you're you're trying to you know make all of them equal, and you can yeah. play on every single one. So you could why are you then in the same friends. breath saying yeah. the opposite? It's like saying you if you've got a PS5, you can crossplay with your friends on Xbox One Series X two times the third. But why don't you just buy one of those instead? It's like, or I could just do crossplay. Yeah, exactly. it's 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 oh, it's it's it, fun enough like i'm not trying to be like jingoistic or xenophobic but it it sums up the american console market machine that is the xbox like no wonder they failed to make a dent in the eastern world because they're so fucking arrogant like playstation's mm-hmm. like please buy a console or don't you still are fans we love you <laughs> and we're like oh that's nice and they're like yeah we accept that the vita was a failure but you know we'll still make content for it and PSP did a while, like they can hold their hand up. And Xbox is just like, we're the best, and a console is the best, and we know that people don't want streaming, but we're going to give you streaming services. And it's like, you're not listening, are you? It it is it is very confusing. I I I feel like if Microsoft could get all of this together and and actually show that things are the best, then that would be great. But so far, everything they've showed has been underwhelming. I mean, obviously, we've got this event coming up soon on, you know, the, 20, the 23rd, 20, 24th, whatever it is, 23rd, I think it is, where they, they are apparently going to show us what the what creative freedom look like with the, with the Xbox Series X. But in the same breath, like, Phil Spencer's been talking up options. I don't, I don't want creative freedom. I want a console that can play video games. <laughs> I think he was talking about developer creative freedom. It can do that, and it's the yeah. best one that will be able to do that. It's a, it's a bigly console. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane to me that they, he could stand there and say, we shouldn't be talking about which plastic is better than the other piece of plastic, when every Microsoft console has exclusive. Xbox Series X exclusive. Xbox exclusive. Only Ooh. on Xbox. And, and, sorry. First look at Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Woo. <laughs> like, whilst, whilst at the moment I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima. Hmm. Right. The, the other thing that I, I really wanted to talk about was um, this new $70 price point. So um, I don't know if you've seen, but basically a couple of, a couple of publishers have uh, basically confirmed that their new price point for a PS5 and Xbox Series X games will be $70. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think NBA 2K, wherever the next one's going to be, is $70. <laughs> That's um, asking a lot. I mean, I don't mean, I mean, just that they're making another one. <laughs> Very true. Um, so the Washington Post, again, they asked um, Phil Spencer what they, what they thought about this. And he said, as an industry, we can price things, whatever we, we can price things, whatever we want to price them. And the customer will decide what the right price is for them. I'm not negative on people setting a new price point for games because I know everybody's dr- going to drive their own decisions based on their own business needs. But gamers have more choice today than they ever had. In the end, I know the customer is in control of the price that they pay, and I trust that system. Do you trust that system? <laughs> I don't even know what that system is. That, that I there are so many inconsistencies in that sentence. I'm like, I don't get what they're getting at. Like, we're going to raise it to seventy dollars, seventy pound, but people can make their own price. Well, then don't we, charge we... seventy quid for it. Yeah. We talked about this the other day, didn't we? A bit. So you put you put a seventy dollar price point on something, and if people, you know, if a game doesn't sell as well as it could have done at sixty, then eventually they'll start moving it down, moving it up, whatever they yeah, need to do. It's, it's kind it's of market be... forces that will find that median point where yeah. they they get the most they can out of you. 
it is going to be, well, it's like, like you say, it's going to be a market-driven thing. If it comes out yeah. at 70 and everyone goes, no, and then they'll go, oh, let's revise the Actually, price. Actually, what we meant was 60. Yeah, like, they do on exactly. Amazon every time. Like, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I, I bought the 70-quid version of um, Tsushima for the Steelbook, and for 22 gigs worth of bonus content, I'm never going to listen to, <laughs> but more for the Steelbook. So it, it's within my capability, but that, that's a, that was like a, a birthday treat, like for myself kind of thing. But if that's the standard, then it's like, all right, I guess we had to adapt to the times. But it's going to make people probably a bit cautious about day one, isn't it? I think it's a very AAA sort of a thing. If 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 AAAs are going to cost seventy pounds, I don't think I've got too much of a massive well seventy dollars, which whatever that converts as for us eventually sixty five. But I think it'll be something, it, yeah. it'll be it'll probably be of an equivocal. They're already fifty nine yeah, when they're yeah, actually yeah. you know technically over fifty nine. Although if you pay fifty nine, you're a mug. Um, yeah. But if, if if it's triple A's we're talking about, you know, like the the things that involve masses of mocap, millions and millions of pounds worth of triple A development, that's fine. I, I I get that. But I think we should have like a like a like a different a series of different sort of levels for it. So at the moment, you know, no, no indie is ever going to cost that, and I think the indie scene is great because of that. You you will find things for five pounds, ten pounds, fifteen pounds, twenty five pounds, whatever it is, and that is a far better system to me. That you know, you're, they're pricing to the amount of content they've got, to how the longevity of the game, what they think people will pay for it. You know, all sorts of different factors are going into that kind of thing instead of just slapping sixty or seventy quid on it and just calling think, it all in. Do you think to use Sean's rod for their own back? analogy from earlier do you think that the, the development cost of games will has and will go up because we strive for better looking games i think uh, it's uh, gone up for a long time yeah. whether it will continue to go up when we've got to a point where everything's pretty much the best graphics it can get to i don't yeah. think mocap costs any more to do right now than it did five years ago i mean probably I, costs I less if they if they lay it out and sort of make a, a a good point for it and you know the rising cost of the industry and stuff like that and you know inflation because like uh, i remember reading a, something the other day and it's like snes games at the time were like 50 quid each by today's standards they'd be about mm. 90 and that kind mm. of thing and you go oh yeah i suppose they would have done 50 quid was a lot to be back when i was younger because now 50 quid you know for a snes game but by today's Absolutely. standard like going 90 quid you're like oh that is a lot but if there's a, a justifiable reason for it and it's all explained properly then fine if it's like this arrogance of, well, you guys have been having it cheap for so long and now it's actually what it's really going to cost. And everyone's going to go, no, that's not our fucking problem. Like, don't make it, don't, don't burden us with buying games for 50 quid a pop because like you're, like you're, you're, you've been doing us a favor. Like that's, I, I think that's, not, that's does, that, does that make sense? Does that, yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it, it does, don't, it don't does. make it, don't make it like, like it's a, it's one of those backhanded you're welcome because it's been cheap. <laughs> Although it's, it's not been cheap. It's just what we're expected to. So 70 quid sounds like a lot, but like, yeah, I don't know. I wonder a little bit. Sorry, about that was content. a big waffle just to go. I don't know. But you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I wonder a little bit about content as well. Like I was saying about the price points. If if, they, if they drop the fucking extra content, if they, well, exactly. If that's, if, if that's if in the seventy had, quid, then yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you just had all of the all the content in, I'd pay seventy quid. Yeah, because, because I'd know I've got obvious. everything. You, you, you've you, we've I've said about Street Fighter before and yeah. and Tekken and Combat and following all, yeah, all those exactly. ones. Give me a whole Deus, thing. Deus Ex Mankind it. divided. Well, De- Deus Ex Human Revolution did it as well. It's missing link thing. That was, yeah. that, was that was mid-game DLC. That wasn't yeah, that's ridiculous. And they got such a backlash for it. They've, they've never seen. I've never seen. Um, well, they, they 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 did it again with um, Mankind Divided when they were like. Oh, it's out next week, and then the first part of season pass DLC is coming out a week later. And it's like, sorry, you've planned that <laughs> months in advance. You could have put that in the fucking game. 
there's not many companies that will do mid DLC anymore no, though. That was, not after those. Well, Asura was Wrath. The the true ending was DLC. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ending. <laughs> it, I suppose it's ending at least. But I mean, that, that's, if that's you've Capcom, got like, if you've got lots and lots and lots of content, like it's like a you know massive open world game with loads and loads of repetitive things to do, then you know, and, and The Witcher Three, for example, with all that DLC. I always and, come and, back to that one. But they, I mean, they that's a massive, massive amount of DLC, and you that's could not have story charged... related, though, is it? Well, some of it was. No, 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 I mean there is there is a story to it, but I mean like they were honest about it from the start and said, yes, we've got two. Yeah, they, they even yeah, called yeah, yeah. them expansion packs, which I thought was quite novel because that's what they used to be, wasn't it? Yeah, true. Um, they said they are literally expanded universe stories, but they're not going to impact uh, the main game at all. And I, I went, oh, cool. So I'm getting the full game when I buy it at 50 quid. And then if I want to, there's two more yeah. stories to play. And yeah, it's a little bit annoying that I bought the normal version for 50. And then you see like the game of the year edition is now like less than a fraction of that. And it's like, all right, but then that's 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 over time. Like it's going to degrade in value over five years. But that that was an optional, like you say, it was an optional um, story, like extra content. It it's, it, it bugs the shit out of me, like with the fighting game community and you know other stuff. When it's like we we've already planned an additional fee for you when you bought the game. And if mm. if come back to your original point, like yeah, if that seventy quid in, includes that, then it's like all right, I'm getting a complete game for seventy quid. Then it would essentially be the, the equivalent now of buying a physical game and a season pass at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, wrap it up as that. And that makes more sense. Don't then charge me 70 quid and then more money. You imagine Mortal Kombat doing that next year, 70 quid for a base game and then more money on top of that. So you're looking at 130 quid total, you know, monster hunter with all its stupid emotes and extra stuff. And I still haven't played Iceborne yet. Cause I'm not forking out 30 quid for it, you know? <laughs> so yeah. Um, if there's a way of making it sound like we're getting good value for it, fine. But if they're going to keep doing this bullshit of here's a game, here's the rest of it down the line, give us more money, please, with a new increased price tag, then fuck right off into the sea yeah. as far as it can go, you know. I, I think I think we we as games, and I think this might be a good topic for another another podcast where yeah, we talk about it. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's it's something that we need. To, I think that we we could really talk about is the value of gaming. Mm. So, like, you know, you look at Destiny, and some people have put literally thousands of hours into that game. Yeah. Street Fighter, people have put thousands of hours into that game, and I I, I look at that and go, okay, well, I I put maybe twenty hours into Mortal Kombat um, eleven, and I feel like I got a good good deal out of that. Um, because I enjoyed the story and I played a bit of online, but I sucked at it, so I stopped. But it, you know, it's the the value that people find in in the gaming and the amount of money that they're willing to pay for it is. I think it's a conversation we should we should probably have. And I will pitch that to Ross for a topic one one of these days. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's move on to the the final topic of today's podcast. Um, Metacritic have made a big change to the way that they are allowed they are allowing user generated reviews. So previously, if you had an account and a game was out, you could go onto the site and leave a zero or up to ten review um, with a bit of text and a score. Now, for thirty six hours after a game has been released, you are not allowed to leave a review score as a user. Critic scores still go up, but user scores are now prevented for the first 36 hours of a game being in the wild. Now, big move. It's probably the biggest move from any kind of review aggregate website that we've seen. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, first, yeah, Toby, this, is, this a really, is this a positive change? 
I'm, I'm not convinced. Um, I, I suppose it's, you know, it's their attempt to answer review bombing, isn't it, after um, The Last of Us 2 and all of the craziness there. Yes. Um, I, I can see that, you know, it might help, okay? But I'd help, I'd say help in quotation marks with a big caveat in that you, you're, you're forcing people, well, you, all you're doing is delaying people's vitriol. You're not really forcing them to play the game at all right? You're not really forcing them to own it. You're not really forcing them to do anything except wait 36 hours. And the only thing I can really see that doing is maybe making one or two people's tempers cool slightly. Um, but again, judging by The Last of Us and what that turned into, it was two or three weeks of craziness online um, around that. And it did not die down after 36 hours. So this would have had absolutely no effect whatsoever. I think the 36 hour delay was never really the problem. It, it wasn't about, it wasn't that people hadn't had a chance to play the game. They're not interested in playing the game in the first place. That's not what we're talking about. They want to destroy a game's score, right? So if people have a place to make their views known, you know, they're still gonna use it. There's nothing to force them to have played the game within what we're talking about here. It's like a, you know, it's like a plaster over a massive wound. It's not really a it's not really stopping anyone from doing anything. So if they want to review bomb it, they'll still be able to review bomb it. It's just 36 hours later rather than at midnight on the first day, um, which doesn't really help anyone who wants to use a user score to make a decision. They can't make a decision based on the user score for 36 hours either. So they're just being penalized as well. Um, it, it's an odd one. It, it doesn't seem to solve much to me. Um, and bringing it in ahead of Paper Mario and Ghost of Tsushima makes very little sense as well. I mean those games were never going to get the backlash of, of The Last of Us 2. Um, you know, I, I just, Mario, the only time Mario's faced that kind of backlash is when he had his nipples out at one point. So it's, um, it's, it's not <laughs> what really... What thing that I'd forgotten? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, I remember Mario's nipples. Um, it's, is that um, the name for the podcast this week? <laughs> I remember Mario's nipples. Yeah, if you want. Um, I just don't think it solves anything, Sean. I think that's I think that's my main point here is that 36 hours solves nothing for anybody. Okay, quick quick um, quick points. This this has been in apparently in place for a couple of weeks. Um, it was first spotted for subliminal or superliminal. Um, the console release of that superliminal, they stopped reviews being posted before the game released. Um, also, the, the, the question I wanted to ask you is, I, I understand what you're saying. It, despite, um, despite the fact that 36 hours um, is quite a long time in internet time, if people want to review Bomber Game, they still will do after yeah. the 36 hours. Yep. For, for day one purchases, this, this does help. Because I, I, don't, I don't think that a lot of averaged out critical scores differ from the user experience all that often I, do, I don't think that critics on mass get it wrong all that often um apart from luigi's mansion three but mm. <laughs> um do you think that for some games let's take um let's take the last jedi and let's take uh, the last of us part two out of the equation do you think that 36 hours is long enough for the storm in a teacup that is the game industry and the way that it goes through controversies on a daily basis? Do you think 36 hours might be long enough for some of those to pass? 
You're going back to me. Yes, do sorry, yeah. Um oh, fine. No, I I, <laughs> I don't I don't think it is. I think yeah, things do cycle very, very fast through the news cycle. You know, they talk about a twenty four hour news cycle. It is a real thing. But it's um I, I don't think it's long enough for things to, to stop being a problem if some people perceive them as a problem. Um, you know, there are games like I know we're not mentioning those particular two, but there are games that get this kind of treatment. There are games that will um, you know, get face a backlash or, or have something in it that people don't like and then 36 hours later you'll see you know it'll just be a delayed news news cycle i just i don't think it solves anything the and it doesn't help the people who want a, a user review score to look at you know they they have to wait 36 hours as well do you see what i mean it's not really helping anyone yeah and the thing is i think um in in this instance i think because there are so many critics on on Metacritic now, and you know you look at Open Critic, um, you can have a, ge- a game reviewed uh, up to eighty times on release day. You know, I, for me, that's as good as as a review score. As a, sorry, as a user review score. If you yeah, sure. Eighty scores averaged, um, and I can understand why they they might. You know, not every game is going to get eighty reviews on, on release day, but it, at least we get. If it was two weeks, then everyone would have forgotten it, and then they would the only one, the only people who bother to put their scores up are the haters. See what I mean? But yeah. then you lose all the good scores as well, which yeah. that's the trouble. So mm-hmm. thirty-six hours maybe helps to keep some of the good scores. People still have time to play the game and give good scores. And the only people I can think of who might stop are just a couple of people whose tempers cool and they go, ah, uh, you know. Yeah. But the majority of people who review bomb are not the kind of people whose tempers will cool in thirty-six hours. <laughs> no, the people that keep a scrub up. Yeah, the people who've been, yeah, yeah. they've <laughs> been making a career out of it. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Greg, what's your thoughts on this? This thirty-six hours away. I agree with a fair few points that Toby's made when it comes to like the positive user reviews, that kind of thing. So yeah, if someone like someone could have a positive user review that hasn't been picked up in a review, and they might want to be like, oh, oh, I found this out, and they can't for you know three days kind of thing sorry day and a half um but i think it also in a good way brings out a really good kind of like put up or shut up kind of thing for a lot of people like last of us two being a prime example i know we're not going to talk about too much but i just mean the the point i want to make is like a lot of those review bombing scores were full-on me too reviews i don't mean i don't mean the movement me too i mean i mean people like you go on reddit and as people just go like, yeah, I can't wait to review Bomber. I had to leave one page because it was just constantly about that. But it is like people that haven't played the game talking to other people that haven't played the game going, yeah, I'm going to go on there and say about how they've such and such is a trans character and I'm not going to spoil anything in the story. And people are going, yeah, I read the leaks too, blah, 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 blah. And I think that's great. I really think it's great because it's going to stop people like you might, yeah, you're saying that like 36 hours isn't enough to cool down these idiot tempers and stuff like that. But that, I'd like to think it would have some effect. And I'm not trying to argue or counterpoint what Toby said at all. He's, he's made some very good points on it. But the optimistic part of me would think that, or would like to think that people would just not bother like a day and a half afterwards to go, oh, fuck it, I can't be asked. Like a lot of those reviews were just uh, not echo chambering, but just echoing the same puerile sentiment of someone that's never played it. And I think having not a cool down period, but like if so, if it's something that big, then people are going to buy it regardless anyway. Like it did numbers anyway. So it didn't need people saying 
blah 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 misrepresentation i'm not playing it because of sexuality of characters and stuff like that so i don't think that's going to have too much I, I think that's a good thing that it's going to stop people from doing that or hopefully it, it will dissuade a lot of people from even bothering if they can't do it straight away i don't know why these trolls thought that them saying i don't like neil cuckman is going to make me go oh cancel my pre-order duh but i think i think if you're going to go one further with it you should have evidence that you've even played it so i think having 36 hours is a good window for people to actually play it and then they can form a cohesive kind of point and yeah like toby said like it will it it will lose the gravitas of people that are coming in positive to try and add something to a to a critical review from a user review point of uh, from a user score point of view but i think it definitely will sort the wheat from the chaff from the people that actually will make a conscientious effort to wait and then say something cohesive about a game to the fucking myriads of idiots that are just like, yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> and they've never even touched the game or are going to touch the game. And they just want to ruin someone else's experience of it because that's what being anonymous on the internet is. So I think in the long-term implications of it, it can be a progressively good move. But there's already people complaining that it's like, oh, it's only coming after The Last of Us 2 that people are doing. It's like, no, because The Last of Us 2 was such a linchpin of idiocy and review bombing that now they're implementing it. And to an extent, The Last, uh, Last Jedi as well. Mm. But um, no, I think to, to sort of summarize, it, could, it it's something that has potential to be a good thing. I think I think policing people and saying you've got to have a link to count to say you've put so many hours in would be a little bit you know a little bit too big brotherish like ah we have proven that you've only played this for half an hour so you're talking about your ass but then i hope that this having a a cool down period will deter people from just bothering to do it like it 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 obviously has no effect because it's still sold fucking gangbusters but hopefully it will just stop people clogging up and wasting their brain cells going i'm gonna write a shit review on a game i've never played you know I, yeah, hope, I, mean, I hope there's some positive that comes from it. The, the thing is, a user review sh score should be the most useful metric. You know, you look on Steam. But you used it. Yeah, you know, it, it, you Steam tells Steam. you how many hours you played, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you you can see, like, you can see specifically, and obviously, you know, you, you could... on on Xbox, for example, you you can't review a game at, uh, unless you own it digitally. So even if you've got the physical disc and you've got achievements, yeah. on it, you can't review a game on the Xbox Live Marketplace until you've. Uh, if you unless you've got a digital version which Same with steam. and steam yeah this is what i mean like you, you have to no I'm, I'm talking about xbox because yeah it's only for digital whereas steam is only digital so um yeah you could have a physical disc and achievements on it but you can't post a review because you technically to them you haven't played it so mm. that's that's one way of doing it it's it the thing is i i like this 36 hours and i like it because for the 36 hours, you know, if, if people are excited enough to check the review scores about a game, not having a big red square next to the green one or the yellow one from, or the red one from the critics, is, is it's not detracting from the work that a critic does. You know, a, a critic gives a, a, an impartial view on a game, it gives them their personal feelings about why a game was good and bad and then that doesn't get detracted away from by a load of numpties on the internet who, who just want to ruin a game's reputation by giving it zeros uh, and have not, not played it so 
at, at least for the 36 hours, you know, if somebody's mo interested enough to, to go and look at the aggravated reviews, they're more likely to be the people that buy a, a game on either release day or, um, you know, around release day. And I think those 36 hours might, might be just enough to stop people's review bombing having even any impact on sales. Because I can, you know, I, we'll, we'll never be able to quantify it, but I imagine the review bombing did have an impact on The Last of Us sales. And, you know, I, I, people didn't like the, la the Last Jedi the first time they went to see it because of the, the massive amount of negative attention they've received. So, I'm happy that it's arrived. It's not the perfect solution, but I'm just I'm just glad that people are trying to do something. It'll be interesting to see what happens next. So, shall we have some quiz answers? Oh yeah. Oh, go on then. Go on then. Levity. Let's bring some levity to this. Okay. So, oh. I'm not confident here, Greg. How many do you reckon uh, you got? I don't know. At least three. Three. Okay. I'm only confident of two. Okay, so question <laughs> question one was that. Okay, Greg, Greg, what was that? It's uh, Street Fighter. It is Street Fighter. I should know that. <laughs> that's that's Ken's theme, Street Fighter. Okay, question two. Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot is correct. Ah, yes, it is. <laughs> okay, uh, question, Toby. What is that beautiful soundtrack from? Uh, Celeste. Celeste is correct. Uh, uh, question four. Now that Toby said another banger, I'm like, shit, Toby doesn't know that many games. So it's probably not what I've written <laughs> down. Um, I put Ninja Gaiden. It is not Ninja Gaiden. Is it a Final Fantasy? It's not a Final Fantasy. I've gone for a Zelda. It's not a Zelda. No, it's not a Zelda, yeah. I know that much. It is the moon theme from DuckTales. Wow. <laughs> I've never played okay. DuckTales. Um, it's one just DuckTales is the cast. Anyone I know is DuckTales. Duck <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> okay, um, so question five, that was God of War. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I put Warcraft, that's got war in it. Can I have half a point? Nope. No. Okay, question six. Yeah. Um very familiar, but I don't even have an answer for this one. Do you not? No. Greg, tell I've, me what that is. I've got Goldeneye, and I wanna say it's facility. It is facility. Oh, yes. That's why I think it's so familiar. I fucking played the level about a hundred million times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Question. I, didn't, I, I actually wrote fuck knows for this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was goat simulator. Uh, uh, question no, no. eight. Uh, Greg, what's that? It is the what the heck level from Earthworm Jim. That is correct. Well done. I know, because I've got an Earthworm Jim tattoo. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this quiz is all about Greg's tattoos. Greg's anyway. tattoos, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question nine. Okay, Toby, what's that? Uh, I, I, I'm sure it's not right. I, I think it's Chocobo music, or at least, but I can't work out which FF uh, it's from, if it Greg, is. What's, what's your answer? I thought it sounded really childish with that. Nah, 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 nah. So I put Global Gladiators, you know, that McDonald's game? It's actually Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, uh. Damn. It's the bit after the fart start. I, I like chopped off the bit that would absolutely sell it. You no, I wouldn't because I never really played Banjo Kazooie. Oh, really not? Okay, I played them. I've just never really. I, yeah, I not enough do, to I remember the music. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do the N64. <laughs> oh, okay, so. fair enough. Um, and question ten. And the answer to that was Apex Legends. 
Oh, that game that only you and Ross have played. <laughs> yes, but this is you also for the listeners. So. Yeah. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind tossing up your answers, and let's see who won. Uh, let's start with Greg Hicks. Uh, three. Okay. Uh, and Toby Anderson, can you beat three? No, I've got three. Oh, probably <laughs> the lowest, lowest um, uh, like joint shit. It's okay. Ever. Yeah. Okay. Well, you both. Win, it was so. the first three. I thought I was really. I thought I was gone onto a winner. These yeah. like golf scores. In that case, we've done really well. You you both win. Well done. <laughs> you didn't you didn't prep a tiebreaker, did you? I, I don't want to do a fucking tiebreaker. I'm fed up with doing tiebreakers. <laughs> Every time I do a fucking tiebreaker, they go, "Oh, whoever goes second wins," and that's fucking true. They're not here. So yeah, yeah. But I'll just get it to shit on the internet. You know. <laughs> So congratulations, yeah, you cause... both win. <laughs> right, okay, let's let's finish off this podcast with what's out this week. And out this week is Rock of Ages 3 Make and Break, which is coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC on July 21st. Uh, 22nd is Creeks. That's from the people who made um, some awesome games, which I can't remember. I can't Machinarium, is it? Yeah, is that's the them? one, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, that's coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on July 22nd. Carrion is coming to Xbox One, Switch, and PC on July 23rd. If you've got Game Pass, you'll be able to play that as part Looking of that. forward to that one. Yeah, on the same day, Crisis Remastered is hitting the Switch, but not the Xbox One, or not the PS4, and not PC. Uh, sorry, the PC version's out now. So if you're in Crisis, you can get the, the upgraded version now. Um, I thought Crisis on the PC was the upgraded version. Yeah, they've, <laughs> <laughs> they've just made it even more sparkly. Roki is hitting the PC on July 23rd. Um, Paper Beast is coming to PC VR platforms on July 24th. And that's pretty much it for this week. There's nothing else really coming out. So a nice quiet week to get out of the way from Ghost of Tsushima. So have a quick, just have another quick check. Yeah, everything's really hitting the week after. Um, Rainswept is hitting the Switch, which is an awesome point-and-click game uh, on the 24th of July. And Tannenberg... Uh, the World War One shooter is hitting the Xbox One and PS4 on July 24th. Uh, but that's pretty much it. It's it's quite weak. Um, so um, oh, ne- Necrobrista is coming out on PC on July 22nd. Um, the week after is bonkers because the mm. next the week the week after we've got Other Side, Ageless, Gator XL, Murderskur, M- Murderskur, Murderskur, <laughs> <laughs> Grounded. Um, uh, I don't understand this grounded one. It's already out. No, it's not. It's, it's you it's, pre-install it on your Xbox. It's in, in early access, isn't it? I'm not actually trying to press play. I suppose. Yeah, no, I did that, and it's like, oh, oh, oh you're okay. too early. Um, that that week is insane. Like mm. that is the probably the best week of gaming. Like, um, anyway, we'll talk about that next weekend. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you very much for listening. If you have listened, I apologise for how uh, shoddy this, this podcast is. Without Ross, we just we just fucking fall apart, man. Um. We don't miss Paul. (laughs) I'm sorry, Paul. You're going to edit out, right? Nope, I'm leaving it in. Um, (laughs) No, he doesn't listen to it anyway, does he? (laughs) Well, thank you very much for listening if you have listened. Um, I didn't mean that about Paul. I do miss him. Um, It's it's always fun when Paul's on. So um, thank you very much for listening. And uh, it's a goodbye from Greg. It is. It's a goodbye from Toby. Sayonara. And it's a goodbye from me. He learned Toodles. that from Ghost of Tsushima. I did, and I don't think I pronounced <laughs> it right. <laughs> Sayonara. Sayonara. <laughs> Bye.
Bye.